Okay, so stop at Hendrix. We're doing something else. Hear that magic? That is the magic of a fairy. Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. I'm your host, Jamie Otis Hainer. And I'm Douglas Edward Hainer. Better known as Jamie Otis Shainer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Doug, I know that you have a whole plan for this podcast. I have an entire planned out podcast with uh, lots of questions. For me. For Jamie. This yeah, is going to be a get to know Jamie episode, uh, so, but it, apparently it's not going to be a get to know Jamie episode. Well, why is it not? Go ahead. Well, because it seems like you have other plans. <laughs> Can you tell we love just coming here on Hot Marriage Cool Parents and just chatting with you and just <laughs> chatting with each other and it's never like, this is very structured and organized and this is how the day is going to go and there are no veering off the tracks. Yeah, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. I mean, I'm really proud of us for at least having an office now. We've really worked our way up here, come to think of it. Yeah, and we have a dedicated corner I mean, for, I, for the podcast. Yeah, no, this is a, a dedicated office like, yeah. area. And not for nothing, but to reflect on our whole relationship and the fact that we started off in an apartment with a toilet that wouldn't flush and you were standing in my urine plunging it. Uh, that's the that's behind the scenes of Married at First Sight that no one got to see. That's right. And we would have to walk down <laughs> to go number two. Been clogging toilets since 2014. <laughs> um, we would literally walk down and go to like Starbucks on the corner because we live in Manhattan to go number two because otherwise. Yeah. We lived in Harlem in, uh, yeah, in a yeah. two bedroom apartment, but one bedroom was for the camera crew. Yeah. All and we, and it was locked and they wouldn't even let us. In right. that room. That was a <laughs> locked room for just production. I forgot that room even existed, actually. I know. And actually, they had a key to our apartment, so they could come in while we were sleeping if they wanted to, because Which that's... they didn't. No, they didn't. Actually, they <laughs> did, because we, at that point, we welcomed it, because I was working nights, and he was working full-time as well. And so, when you're filming full-time on top of your full-time job, plus you're trying to get to know the man, or woman, in your case, Doug, yeah. that you just, like, legally married... It's a lot going on, but so they would come in and we would just welcome the extra hour of sleep while they set up their lights and their cameras and all that. <laughs> and, um, so now to come from, you know, we started out there and then at one point ended up living in your old bedroom to now living in a home where we have a dedicated podcast space and like office. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It's really amazing. And I think, it, you know, a lot of times in life, we can tend to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing without stopping and just really being thankful and taking in the progress that you make in life. Like I know I'm really guilty of that where I'm, I have lots of big, big goals and big dreams. And instead of like stopping when I reach one of the, the, you know, pathways to get to the big dream, instead of being like, wow, like, wow, we've really made it. I'll just think about the next thing. And that's what was happening when we first moved into this house was that, I think it still happens a little bit. Well, no, but I'm really cognizant of it now. And I'm trying really hard to pay attention to that because that's exactly what was happening. When we bought this house and we started moving in, I definitely had buyer's remorse because I was like, oh my God, this is the biggest purchase. And the house isn't even like, I don't, I didn't even love it. Like I don't love. Yeah, I feel like you have buyer's remorse over a lot of things though. I do. <laughs> like our other house, you had buyer's remorse, the car. That's buyer's remorse. Everything. I the do RV have. The RV trip, buyer's remorse. And the reason that I think that I'm like that is because I'm, 
I have been living in fear lately, which is not a good way to live. No. You, know, you really can't live in fear. You've got to you've got to live with knowing that you are making the best choices for you and your family. But I guess I worry that I, that I'm not, or that but the thing is, is if you don't either that or you'll just freeze and never do anything. So now I'm trying to just breathe and be like, just be thankful. So, you know, we bought the house and yeah. I think there's a difference though, between being scared. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you talk about buyer's remorse, I, I think it might be getting maybe confused with taking a risk. Like, yes, this is, this is a big purchase, but it's also something that, I mean, you've done a lot of research on and you don't, you don't, you don't take major risks without research beforehand. I do. I am the researcher. Douglas, on the other hand, would just be like, oh yeah, sure. Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the yes man. (laughs) Yeah. Which is why it works out really well with us. Yes. Because I say, hey, Doug, you want to do this? And then he goes, uh-huh. Right. But like the second guessing part, you yeah, know, I, I you can don't understand do that, that. And I do every yeah, single time. Um, you know, I've always, I've always been one to just kind of, you know, whatever situation you get yourself into, um, you know, you're supposed to be there and you make the best of it. That's always been my philosophy. Make the best of, of wherever you are. And so my philosophy is, is you get to live one life and you are in control of your destiny. So like you can take the steps to get yourself, like do not be a victim of your past. Do not fear for your future. Like know that you are making decisions to lead you into the right direction. But that puts so many, so much pressure on myself because you're the yes man and you're just passive and okay with no matter where we're at. Like if we were still living with your parents, you would probably be make the best of it. Yeah. You would make the best of it. And, and I, I didn't mind living with your parents. I actually enjoyed it. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure how we got down this road. Essentially what I was trying to say is that I am trying to be more cognizant and proud and taking a moment of pause to be thankful to where, like of where we're at. Rather than, you know, looking around this office, I mean, the carpet <laughs> is pulled out on the concrete. The concrete. Jamie brought this up when we made love the other day. I did? Yeah. He said, can you believe this house that we're in right now? Yeah. And I was like, wow, like the way that I, I did after yeah. we. You said it twice because you didn't think I heard you the first time. <laughs> well, it's because I, it was like, okay, it was really laid out and. It was, yeah. I mean, this is the first time that we've done it past midnight in a long time yeah because usually I'm like okay let's like plan it for like lunch like during the day it's like I have way more energy but at midnight it was like midnight and I it was just one of those really nice impromptu moments it really was and we didn't even know but it was a very fertile day yeah I've been trying not to be overly uh like scheduling and planning and I'm just changing my diet and trying to be calmer and like let God bless us if he wants to. And if he doesn't, well then we understand that too. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't been checking the app to see like how fertile I am and all that jazz. And then after we did it, we kind of prayed and then I looked at it and I said, Doug, that could have been it. <laughs> and then yesterday, this happened the other time, like another time when I was pregnant, unfortunately I lost that pregnancy, but Doug, you don't even know this yet. I think my girlfriend's no. on Instagram know before you know, but <laughs> you know yesterday how we went to Starbucks and I had that matcha tea Yeah, and it wasn't oat milk. It was dairy milk. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to drink it anyways because I really want this matcha tea. <laughs> and so I drank it 
And then I went shopping. Doug, this is so embarrassing. So I'm in shopping and Henley's birthday is coming up. So I'm trying to find like birthday gifts for her and party favors. And I'm like at the other end of the store. Oh, is this your accident? Oh yeah, you did. Oh, that's right. You I was here. Know. Well, no, he was here when I came running inside. Okay, wait, you just gave the whole thing away. Oh, I didn't. I mean, it was, okay. Okay, so if you haven't seen my story at, on Instagram, because it goes away in 24 hours, so if you missed it, you missed it. But <laughs> um, and I'm not sharing it again. <laughs> but um, so I'm in, the, I'm in the store and I was like, I could tell that I had to go to the bathroom. I didn't want to go in a public restroom. I was like, oh, I can just hold it. But- then I felt like I had a, a two. And so I, and I always toot in public. I'm like, I'm that person that I'm like, I'm not going to hold in my two. Like, you know, it's fine. You know, <laughs> I'll just move to another rack on the store and like look <laughs> at the clothes over there. So I tooted and I was instantly like, oh, oops. That was a little, like, I'm like, was that more? No, that couldn't possibly be more. And I'm like trying to squeeze my cheeks together because then my stomach's rumbling. Like it's like, I'm like, all of a sudden it went from zero to a hundred and my stomach is rumbling. And I was like, was that what I think it just was? Like, oh my gosh. Oh, that's the worst. So I'm like running to the back. I mean, I literally just like, I dropped everything that was in my arms and I <laughs> ran to the back of the store and that's where the bathroom was. And I pulled my pants down and I was like, oh my gosh. Like who the heck craps their pants? I am not a child and I am not elderly. Not the first time. And it's not the first time it's happened. Yeah. Good for you. That is so embarrassing. And I don't tend to wear underwear when I'm wearing yoga pants. It's a good thing you were. I wasn't wearing underwear. Oh, you weren't? No. Uh, Because I don't, I was wearing yoga pants. And so I was like, which is even worse than like denim. Because at least denim absorbs it. One positive here is that. (laughs) Denim absorbs it. (laughs) One positive here is that the. uh, uh, Can't notice in yoga pants. Yeah, Yeah. the black. I'm not even kidding you, Doug. Oh, that stinks. (laughs) No pun intended. I'm not even kidding you. I sat there and usually I like to line the toilet. You and all sat the things. in it? No, I was sitting oh. on the toilet, like looking into my pants and I'm like, oh, I cannot even believe that just happened. And so I'm trying to clean it out with toilet paper. They didn't even have, they didn't even have uh, paper towels in the bathroom, <laughs> but they did have, thank goodness they had soap. And so I literally squeeze, I like took soap out put it in my pants to clean out all of that and try to like clean as much as I possibly could. So my butt area of my yoga pants are dripping wet when I leave and I still had to go and like, I should have just left the store, but you know, when you're in that panic mode. Did you put anything down on the the car, on the seat? Doug, my pants, I cleaned it. There was full with soap. I mean, I put so much soap in that area and then I like filtered it with water. I had so much tissue, like (laughs) toilet paper. I blotted it until I made sure there was no more crap on it. Like, it was just unbelievable. But, and then like when you're in that panic and you're trying to be cool. You think it was the milk? I think it was the milk slash like the matcha tea must have had like a ton of caffeine maybe. Or I don't even know. That's so funny. I don't even freaking know. It happened within like almost instantaneously. Yeah. Jamie was supposed to be gone for most of the day. And um, I was here. I was doing stuff for the podcast um, and putting together... Um, Anyway, so I was sitting here and, and I see her come in and she goes and she goes, I just went in my pants. And I was like, at first I heard, I thought she said that she she had to go so bad she almost went in her pants. And then she starts coming out and she told me that she went in her pants. I go, what'd you do with the pants? No, you like were like, you're putting it 
in the laundry, you know, right? Yeah, it's going in the laundry, right? And then she turned and around I was and like, picked it up and well, threw it in the laundry. That's because I was running. Okay, so. I didn't tell Sylvia, but Sylvia did the laundry. Oh, man. It was no. already in the wash, so she didn't have to touch oh, yeah, it. Yeah, I literally put it in the washing machine so no one would touch my poopy pants. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the whole reason that, that I had, to, I was like, I ran. I wasn't planning on, I was planning on going shopping for Henley's birthday and then picking the kids up and then going to the gym. I wasn't planning on having to backtrack back home, clean myself. This was all before the gym. Change my pants and then go get Henley on time from school and then Hendrix and then go to the gym. So I was, I, I like bolted in here to change my pants, clean myself up, put on some new pants. And then I, as I'm like bolt, trying to bolt back out, Doug is like, you're putting them in the laundry right now. And I literally was like, I, yeah, I guess I probably shouldn't just put them in the dirty laundry. Like I should, should actually put it in the washing machine so no one has to touch it. So then I run back to the bedroom, grab the dirty That was really nice of you. And put them in the dirt in the washing machine so that if I didn't happen to be the one loading the laundry, because we do have, uh, <laughs> Sylvia is so helpful. Oh, what? What is that? Uh, I thought it was going to be a... Nope, that's no, definitely yeah, not mind, it. Then. Doug has these little buttons for the podcast <laughs> that he just got a soundboard push, pushing. Now I want to find the clap. I think it's this one. Nope. Nope. Okay, one second. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's the clap. The yellow button is the clap. We got to start using that clap. Yeah, or the. Oh, yeah. I like. Oh, yeah. Drum roll, please. <laughs> clap. Okay, anyways, needless to say. Jamie's had more accidents in her pants than Hendrix did last week. That is not true. Oh, <laughs> that is true, actually. It is. Hendrix potty training is going, yeah, so going so well. So amazing. So proud of him. He has just, like, it's like when they know, they know, and they just pick it up. And so every parent, I mean, this was me, but with each child that I like stress and worry about the potty training. And it's like, maybe baby number three, I won't be so stressed and worried over it because you know, a child is going to learn when they learn and it is not that big of a deal. I mean, truly. So Henley learned, I, I thought, I thought she was going to We tried be, to force it on Henley. Oh, poor Henley. And fully Hendrix too. But you know what? I think it teaches them the steps. It teaches, it gets them in the frame of mind that there's a potty and, you know, there we're trying to get rid of diapers. So it gets, it gets them used to the concept, I think. And then, you know, they'll revert back and then you try again for a little bit and then it kind of works, kind of does it. And then I think for both Henley and Hendrick, we realized that they'll just do it on their own. Yeah. And which they did. But yeah. I think as parents, you do have to bring it up whether they're ready for it or not. I think it's important to show the steps at least. Yeah. So, well, on that note, I see that my head is like, maybe it's confusing to them that we try potty training before they're ready. But what else do you do as a parent? Like I thought I, they, I saw the signs for each of them. Henley, I thought at, at 18 months, I was like, oh, for sure she's got this. Like without a doubt. Or maybe it was like right <laughs> after she turned one, I was like, for sure she's got this. And that was the first time I tried. And I was like, oh no. She's like pooping on the stool while she's like coloring or something. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, she definitely doesn't We have brought it. a portable potty Oh yeah, and that then, we would set up in the trunk of the car. So then the next time around we did, we um, tried the whole nothing below the waist so that they can tell the minute it starts to dribble and then you rush them to the potty and again, like poop on the floor. And it was just like, and I'm like, she's 18 months old. I swear she's giving me the signs. <laughs> but um like third time's a charm right before she turned two. Hold a second. Oh, oh yeah, your sister tried calling. Hello? 
energy drinks he never drinks water so he was probably just very that's what they said is he was severely dehydrated so i found out today um hold on Lynn. so i found out uh matt called me my brother matt called me and he said that dad was going to the hospital because he had yeah because he had a high uh blood sugar so my dad's a diabetic uh type 1 diabetes he had so ketoacidosis uh where um, at first, they thought he had a kink in his uh, pump line, which pumps in insulin. And so once that was sort of uh, fixed, the sugar didn't go down. It stayed high. So um, he was throwing up, I guess. And my mom took him to the emergency room and they wanted to admit him. So he, he was in ICU to help bring his uh, blood, sugar, blood down. sugar back down. And uh, yeah, so uh, this was on the way home from getting the, the car uh, done. And um so, yeah, so Lindsay called and said that it was the ketoacidosis um, that happened. And now this is, I guess he was dehydrated. And, right? now, and now they're yeah, so severe, So severe dehydration. And, um, and then now it's just because the sugar was so high. It was caused by the severe dehydration. And now he just has to have everything monitored. So is he staying in the so, hospital? Yeah, he's admitted and he'll be in the ICU. And as long as his sugars are stable for um the next 24 hours then he'll be released but it's just because of the um the type of care that they need like they have to monitor sugars every 30 minutes so that's why he's in the ico but they're not concerned or anything per se oh well that's good yeah yeah so i just wanted to keep you updated well thank you yeah because i i sent him a text earlier okay yeah well He'll be, he'll be there. So just, uh, oh yeah, that's all. That's all I got is he'll be there. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. Well, keep that's all us, I got. <laughs> yeah, keep us posted then. Okay. Well, I feel like that man lands in the hospital every five years. I feel like it was for like, something. I mean, the last time that, uh, this all happened, he, it was the same thing. It was yeah. because he was de- uh, not dehydrated, but because he had the ketoacidosis because yeah. his sugar was so high, but his sugars have been high because his pump was kinked, but they're saying that this was caused due to severe heat dehydration. So. His pump really was kinked? Yeah. His, oh. well, his pump was, so we had a barbecue on Sunday. Yeah. And he was seeing bright lights. Like, everything was real bright. And he knew his sugar was high. But it was because his pump wasn't in. The needle didn't actually oh. pierce the skin. Oh. It was folded over. And that was, like, the second or third time something like that has happened this week. So. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. So he's just a crazy man. Yeah. But literally the last time this happened was when Henley was about one years old and I have a picture yes. of him with a diaper on his head mm-hmm. being yep. goofy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, you yep, know, exactly. he's due for his, his five, every five years, half a decade hospital visit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's, he's just hitting his quota for the year. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> just, All right. Well, I love you guys. I'm just grabbing some stuff uh, at five below. I'm taking Carrie and one of the other moms in the neighborhood. We're actually going to go see the Barbie movie again. Oh my gosh, the Barbie movie's so good. I liked it so really? much. I was like, does anyone want to go with me? Oh, good for you, Lindsay. It's so much fun. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah, it was very good. So I don't think yeah. I would like it. Why? Uh, you know, you know, Matt actually, I think, would like it. I don't know if he would like it, but I think he would get a kick out of it. Like, I think it's one that you would want to watch more at home than being in a theater. <laughs> Gotcha. Because I think you'd like the Ken song. I like the Ninja <laughs> Turtle movie. You did? I heard that, that. Yeah, I heard that that was great. I did. I see. I've been telling everyone 
that it was I don't know. I didn't. Well, I wasn't really paying attention. Well, but, I used to collect Ninja Turtles. Yeah. When I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because some of the same Ninja Turtle toys that Hendrix has, like almost mm-hmm. look exactly like the ones I used to have. Yeah, that's like full circle. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, anyways, Lens, we oh. we won't keep you, but thanks for keep giving us an update. Tell yep, your dad. You're welcome. Tell your dad. All right, I'll talk to you guys. Love right. you. Love, Love you. you guys. Bye. Bye. That's oh, just like taking a real phone call on this podcast. I mean, our lives, this podcast, I feel like all of our lives that we share is just very real and in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, so I, you didn't tell me your dad was in the no, hospital. No, yeah. Matt, Matt called and told me. He said it wasn't serious, but uh, he had high blood sugar. Um, so, yeah. I was going to tell you after. Oh, okay. See, this is the kind of things that I deal with as a wife. Like, that's kind of a big thing to tell someone. Like, I mean, that's yeah. A but good if it's thing. not, if it's not serious, it would have, you know, it it's could still have waited. serious to me. I think it's important to know if your dad's in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, he's had issues with his with his blood sugar, and which is also like we have to because they say it skips a generation. We have to be careful with For Henry and children. Hendrix or you know any other future kids that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get going too far, I see this amazing five-star review that you pulled up. and Yeah, this one's a really good one. I absolutely love, love, love reading your five-star reviews that you leave for the podcast. I mean, we tell you every week, but it's because it's seriously not lost on us that everyone's busy. I mean, you're listening to this right now in your ear pods, and you're probably driving someplace or running or taking a walk or taking, like, sometimes I listen to podcasts when I'm cleaning, and it helps time (laughs) just go by faster. I do want to, I do want to mention too though um all of our episodes um you will be able to watch them on youtube so we do put the behind the scenes up on youtube on friday so whatever episode had just recently released friday we release a new video from that episode so if you ever want to see the behind the scenes of it then our immaculate setup yeah our immaculate setup that we're very thankful for this office (laughs) with no carpet and concrete like (laughs) painted halfway floor uh but the five star the five star review this week this one is from spicy grandma all right spicy grandma you know shout out to grandmas who leave reviews that's pretty yeah. awesome and shout out to grandmas who are spicy <laughs> i hope to be a spicy yeah. grandma one day um doug and jamie forever i have followed you both since married at first sight i am so happy i found your podcast god bless you all for sharing your struggles together your family is amazing, and even though I don't know you personally, I love you all. I have lived a life of struggles myself and have been in a nursing home for 25 years, coming here in my 40s. Your podcast will be listened to uh, listened, um, listened to by me always. Yeah. Your my po- husband yeah, became addicted to cocaine after I became ill. I was dealing with my own nightmare and then his. Then my son grew up to become an alcoholic. That was absolutely heart crushing. The struggle is real. Ay, ay, ay. She's been in a nursing home since she was in her 40s. And this I is can't what imagine I'm, that. And this is what I'm saying. So for you listening and for us right now, Doug, we have to take a moment to pause and be thankful for what we do have in life. I know I say it all the time, but like I think we all need reminders all the time to just stop and to take a breath and be thankful. Like we have legs that are functioning. When I'm at the gym, the physical trainer, she'll be like, you know, I'm in a gym where like the, there's like a trainer who kind of like speaks out to everyone. And she's like, we get to work out. Like we get to be free. 
and our legs are working, our muscles are working, our brains are working. Like we are so blessed to have this body that is functioning because there are people all over the world right now who would who are just begging to have a body again. And whether it's fat, whether it's thin, whether it's flabby, stretch marks, cellulite, whether it's, you know, you have discolored skin, whether your hair is falling out, it doesn't matter because if you get to function in your body, like where you're not living in a nursing home, where you're not stuck in a hospital bed, where you, I mean, all sorts of different things. Like we get, we have to be thankful for that. We genuinely have to be thankful for that and realize, I think that sometimes we just go about life way too fast and we can focus on our quote unquote problems. But in the grand scheme of things, what are our problems? Especially if we live in a country that isn't a third world country. So like a first world or even second world country, like there are no problems. Like we have to focus on the things that we're thankful for. And so spicy grandma, thank you for giving me a moment to just be thankful for for what we have right now. Yes. And it seems like you're in, you're in good spirits and, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's a journey that everybody goes on and every family has to go through. And you said it, I mean, you know, when you get in your own head, when you feel like you've had problems or you have problems or you're struggling, like there are still things to be thankful for. Um, I know that, you know, when you're so focused on something or, if you have goals, you know, everybody says, even with parenting and enjoy the journey, yeah. you know, enjoy your kids being young instead of, you know, worrying about what school the kid's going to go to, or, you know, we're going to sign them up for this, this, and this, you know, you can lose sight of what's happening right in front of you. And when you're too over-focused on the future, you know, it's tough to, to enjoy the present. It yeah. really is. And you don't know how much future you have. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think it's a very important point to really take a breath, you know, even try to meditate or just look around you with no headphones in or anything, just really enjoy where you're at. I think you say that for yourself because he always wears a headphone in yeah, one and ear. I've been, I've been taking them out all the time because, it, you know, like, especially when I go on a walk with lady or just, you know, when I'm in the car with, with the kids and they're just, they're being fun. Um, it's just nice to just enjoy. Yeah. Because you have been someone, Doug, that, well, both of us, I'm not like pointing the finger or anything, but you are in particular have always been someone who is consistently needing outside entertainment, something to stimulate. You constantly are looking for something to keep you from your own thoughts. So you're like, when we first got married and still to this day, you have to have some sort something in your like you're watching TV and the TV has to be on all night long. And I've never been one to have to have a TV on. I can't even sleep with a TV on. So we it doesn't have to be on all night long. Well, it's like a little nightlight, but you, and then also you can't take the dog for a walk. You can't get up and brush your teeth without turning some sort of entertainment on in your ear. And it's like, there's something to be said about that. And I don't mean this. I mean this all out of love, but, and I've never harped on it or anything like that before, but what I'm starting to realize in my own like journey to just freedom and feeling healthy and good about myself is that we have to be comfortable being alone with ourselves. Like we get, like we only get ourselves that this is our only body that we're ever going to have. We don't, we don't ever get to change it and we don't ever get to change our mind or our thoughts unless we're cognizant of them. And so if you're constantly trying to escape being alone with yourself, that's a sign that you need to figure out what's causing you so much discomfort within yourself and change it. Um, I hear 
what you're saying. Um, we learned that in therapy. You I start do. off with, I hear what you're saying. No, I, I, I do. Um, so it's, it's not so much that, um, it's not as dire as you, you, you say it is for, for me. The stimulation comes from, you know, I, I always had a lot of people around me. And any job I had was always out in the field and I was always talking or, you know, even in sales, like I was meeting new people, I was interacting, I was having this really busy sort of just something new happens every day. And that just, I liked the, you know, something to be new all the time. And I really enjoyed talking to people. And, you know, I think this happened to a lot of people during COVID when you can't see people, you can't interact with people. Um, you know, there's, there's a sense of not, you know, not being used to just you sitting with yourself, not being used to just, you yeah. know, being around and not having that interaction. And, and a lot of it is just me not saying that I'm, I can't be alone with my thoughts. It's just me. It's almost like a, it, it's comforting to hear background noise and to be, you know, like listen to the news or hear what's happening because, you know, if, if I just stay here or get like just without any outside influence or talking to anybody, it's just, um, I don't know, that is worse for me because but then I feel more of a hermit. That, but okay, so I was going, this is going to get deep real fast, but what you're doing is not helping you. It's not helping you become any less of a hermit you're still isolating yourself and you're still, you are still numbing your own thoughts. You're still escaping your own, like your own being because you're constantly trying to have someone else just feed you and entertain you and, you know, fill your brain essentially, basically like keep you busy from thinking about what your true struggles are what even what your true happiness is like you're constantly looking for some other source to validate you to stimulate you to get to excite you to give you some sort of emotion when and this isn't just you well no because we're just talking about it it's a learning thing for me I don't I like I don't I don't read yeah I'm not a good reader like like if I'm listening to something it's it's the news or it's something that I'm interested in it's Okay. It's just a learning okay, so thing for me. I, I don't. I don't want to sound defensive, and you know, because you could be right, but I. I don't. I don't think that I've ever like just not been comfortable by myself or my own thoughts. Like there was, you know, when I was at my my lowest, where I was just kind of just broke and um, avoiding phone calls and just avoid like, you know. Taking taking pain medication was that numbing sense for me that I f- could forget about my problems. Um, I don't ha- I don't have many of those problems anymore. Um, but there's also a sense of me wanting to stay current, and and so it's it's not necessarily me just not knowing what makes me happy like that that like being current and having an understanding of different things that are going on in the world, things that are going on in the news, like like that does give me joy because when it comes up, I, I can be able to have a conversation about that. 
And okay, I don't want to lose that. I hear what you're saying. I think ultimately what I'm talking about, and if you follow us on Instagram, I mean, I can't tell you how many people reach out to me and say, what is, what is in Doug's ears? Like, what is always in his ears? Like, what's, is that a headphone so, in his ears? But when Why I have, does he always have headphones in his ears? When I have them on, though, it's, I don't have things playing in my ear 24-7. I don't. I genuinely don't. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. So essentially all I'm trying to say, and like, I know that you don't read and so you like to get, consume your content in different ways. I don't like, this certainly is not a personal attack because you're not the only person anyways. Like, yeah, no, I'm not all, taking We all tend to do that. All I'm trying to say is that what I've learned, where, I, where I've healed a little bit with anxiety and depression and whatnot is by getting rid of the need for that outside stimulation and like truly like turning on like a meditation track or just sitting and like feeling my butt on the chair and my feet like grounded on the floor, but they're never on the floor because I sit like <laughs> all squished up. I tend to like that. But like just like really being present and then like paying attention to my breath. And like when you have all like the news in your ears or you're watching YouTube or you're, you can't do that. Like you can't feel grounded in that way. And when you don't feel grounded is when you start to spiral into anxiety and depression and whatnot. And, and then you just, and then when you're in there, it's like a cycle. Like you just constantly want that, like the whatever's in your head or your YouTube or whatever, you know? So needless to say, this is a way off topic and doesn't well, really I'm, matter. I was going to say, I'm, I'm more aware of the perception of it though, because it, you know, in, until people like started commenting that I had in my ear all the time, like sometimes you didn't I, even realize, I didn't even know that you I would, had in my ear Doug, all the time. And you literally have headphones in your ears while we're sleeping because you have your yeah. phone playing like, South Park mm -hmm. or Parks and Recreation, like he'll no, play something guy. on his. Yeah. Oh yeah, Family Guy, something like that. Like he'll have his That's phone what I go playing, to sleep too. and then his headphone is literally in his ear all night long. And then you wake up, the headphones in your ear, and you're listening to the news while we're getting the kids ready for school. And then you know you're driving the kids to school. It's yeah, still in your so ear. it's in your ear twenty four seven. I've made it a point to take it out because I would always have it in pretty much all day. And I would literally say. Doug, are you listening to something right now? Like, I can't tell if mm -hmm. you're listening to me or if you're listening to something else. Or if yeah. we're like on a road trip that's like longer than 10 minutes, I'm like, uh, are you listening to Howard Stern or are you listening to me talk? I can't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on yeah. right now. And sometimes you'd be like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm listening to something. And sometimes I would be like, well, can you turn it off for a minute so I can talk to you? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, I think it's about time we talk about our sponsor this week because I'm really, really thankful to have this podcast back. And honestly, if it wasn't for these sponsors and for you supporting us and listening, then we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. So I hope that it's a breath of fresh air for you because it's definitely really helpful and therapeutic for us. And we hope that it is that way for you as well. And so here is a word from our sponsor. Now, this is one of my favorite sponsors of Hot Marriage Cool Parents, Honey Love. <laughs> Why is this your favorite? Because Jamie got this new bra and she looks unbelievably sexy in it. And dare I say, your cleavage look looked amazing. Well, genius, thank you. All right, so I have the Honey Love Silhouette Bra, which is so comfortable. I feel super secure in it. It holds me like way that, way that it's supposed to, you know, without any, there's no underwire either. So there's nothing digging into me. It's adjustable straps, just like usual. And you can even crisscross them depending on what you're wearing. So I absolutely love that because I hate when I have an outfit and I can't crisscross my straps or I have to like, Fine. I mean, I literally tried. He's like, why don't She's you use a pin? Me to put a bobby pin. And yeah. Well, curl he, it no, up. he was going to use a safety pin. And I'm like, if that pops open, that's going to poke my back. I'm like, <laughs> we'll use a bobby pin. So now you don't have to do that with this Honey Love bra. It's amazing. <laughs> well, if you, if you go to honeylove.com 
They have tanks, leggings, and they're known for their shapewear. So um, their shapewear actually came out uh, on top as the best wedding day shapewear. I actually didn't even know that. So I have the Queen Brief shapewear, which has made me have like more of an hourglass figure. And it just feels good, like the compression to feel like, you know, you're not hanging out in all the places. It just feels good. It has a real good fit. And there's uh, there's no issues, um, you know, like you don't have all hands on deck to take it off. You can just literally like slip, slip it off, but yet it's still like compressing and it feels good. Yeah, their super, uh, their super power short is Honey Love's best selling shapewear with targeting compression technology that gives you added support where you need it and less support where you don't. There's flexible boning hidden in the side seam so you never have to worry about it falling down. Plus there's boost bands in the back of the thigh so it lifts your booty up. Now can you explain as a guy asking this, can you explain why it's such a big deal for shaper to have a hundred percent cotton gusset and a convenient opening in the panty area? Well let me tell you. Yeah, don't have to put on extra undies and there's no costume change just because you have to go to the bathroom. So like you don't have to worry about like, so that's the thing with shapewear where you can't go to the bathroom in it? Well, it's just like so difficult to pull it up and pull it down with this. Uh, You don't have to worry about that. Well, you learn something new every day and you can treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market by going to honeylove.com backslash cool parents for 20% off your order. Yep. That's 20% off by going to honeylove.com backslash cool parents. All right, let's get back to it. Let's do it. Didn't you say you had a whole interview thing for me? Um, well, yeah, I mean, before before you went into your poop in the pants story. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that it might be for anybody new that's listening to Hot Marriage, Cool Parents, or if you've been following us just recently, um, I thought it might have been a great idea to do a little interview of Jamie I have some questions written down. What, has it been too much attention on you lately? Yes. um, (laughs) So let's get to know Jamie. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what anyone wants to know. I don't know if you've read these questions before. I did kind um, of see those. Oh, you did. Okay. A little bit. Um, hmm. Then I want to mix up the questions. Did you look on page two? No. (laughs) Oh, there's a page two. My goodness. All right. So. Okay. Jamie Nicole Otis. Now Jamie Nicole Hainer. When did you lose your virginity? Oh, my. You're really just jumping. Right out of the gate. (laughs) Oh, my. The world wants to know. The world does not care, but I will tell you. Do you know the answer to this? I thought I did. 16? No. Not that that's bad. Oh, wait. No, it was 18. You were 18. I had. Yes, that's right. See, I mean, come on. We've been married for almost 10 years and you don't remember when I lost my virginity. 16 was me. What's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I, yes, I lost my virginity. I had, I was like really everyone in my family up until me had usually gotten pregnant and dropped out of high school and I really wanted to graduate. And so I, and obviously I knew where babies came from, you know, having sex. And it was like, my mom said, you know, she was on birth control and would still get pregnant. And my sister, same thing, like, you know, the condom broke or whatever. And so I'm like, I am just not going to do it. And then I'm going to graduate high school and then I'll do it. And so I graduated high school at 17, which I was really proud of. First girl to graduate in my family. Yeah. And so I felt proud of that. And then soon after that, I was, I just felt behind, like everyone that I knew, all my friends had already had sex and had been having sex for years. And so I Were just, you the last one of your friends and sisters? No, actually. I have one other friend who actually, who truly, did she wait for marriage? I don't know if she waited for marriage, but she waited till she was with the guy that she married. And so... Um, well, we waited till we got married. 
Yeah. You love cracking that joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You're funny. Okay. So that's, that's my story about my virginity. Okay. Well, um, who is your favorite child? Um, that's I love them one, both the same. How do you even say that? There, no one should have a favorite child. I know. I was just, just seeing if you had a favorite one. Um, what? what is your biggest turn on? Mm, I think, are you asking these for your personal? Yes. <laughs> I think my biggest turn on, well, okay. It's changed a little bit. It's kind of the same, but in the beginning of our marriage, the biggest turn on was that you were so confident. So whether you're insecure or not about, well, first of all, you didn't even really know that I wasn't thorough, like so attracted to you. You knew I wasn't like immediately enamored, but, um, I mean, I was, I don't know, like, but clearly like you were confident and you weren't offended by the fact that I wasn't like smitten by you, you know, immediately because, you know, I think most men would probably would have been like, oh, well, she doesn't like me. I don't like her and F her and da da da. But you were not <laughs> like that at all. You were just like chill and you just kept trying. And I thought that was kind of cute, but you never like pushed me out of my comfort zone either. You never forced me to be a quote unquote wife, you know, just because we were married all of that was the biggest turn on and, and up and now up until this day. So I you remember our flight over to St. Thomas where our honeymoon was. Mm -hmm. Well, you actually talked to me and like looked me in the eye and we had conversation about something more meaningful than just the weather. And that was a turn on. And then when we got there and you took your clothes off, I was like, Oh, cause we were going, wait, clarifying. He took his clothes off to go swimming. So he had a swim trunk on, <laughs> uh, cause we'd only known each other for a few days at that point. That's true. Um, and I was like, dang, he is hot. And, and the day he, before we signed the marriage certificate. Yeah. And when we were at the courthouse, I don't have a father on my birth certificate. And so they pulled me into the back. And while everyone else just signs and goes, I like had to go into the back, which was super embarrassing because that's day two of our marriage. I don't even know the man. And it was a little strange. I was like, where is she? Yeah. <laughs> and I was go? gone for a while. Like they were really, I didn't realize it at the time because I was just young and naive, but I think that they were checking to see like, do you, are you actually a citizen of America? Like before we just sign you, I don't know why they pulled me back for so long. Like, what does it matter if my father's yeah, name isn't know. on there, but whatever they were really like, you don't know your father. Like, are you sure? And this is definitely you. And da, da, da. And I'm like, yes, like, what are you talking about? Um, but eventually they trusted me and they let me go. And you know, you never growled me about it. And then you got me a flower and I was like, this guy, and also on the, it was March in, in New York. And so it's really cold in March. It was and, freezing out. And I tend to get a drippy nose during like the cold weather. Like it was just like my nose just kind of drips a little bit. And we were sitting in the back of the taxi cab on our way <laughs> down to the courthouse. And my nose was like dripping and he like, yeah. he told me and I was like, oh, Thank you. <laughs> like, you know, for not letting me just have like boogers in my nose and just walk around all of Manhattan. It's he the told, little things. He was like, oh, you know, you got a little something. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and so it, it wasn't like it took me forever to start to become attracted to him. It was literally, and you insisted on buying our first coffee together. That morning we went to go get coffee across from the hotel yep. where we got married. And, and like you insisted on buying it. And I thought that was really sweet. Usually I insist on paying at least my fair share of it. And, <laughs> and you were like, well, I'm your husband. And I, you didn't really say it like that though. I don't know how you said it, but I was like, okay. And I, thought yeah, that I was didn't want to make sweet. it a big deal. Yeah. You did a really good job at that. But one thing that turns me on now is when you like, I don't know, like rub me and caress me without having any expectations of sex. And when we have, when we talk about something more than just the weather, you know, like, 
like, honestly, that podcast is such a turn on sometimes because we have meaningful, deep conversations, you know, yeah. that are so much more important than just like, you know, being roommates talking about like whatever. Like I just, I, I love communication and connecting with you on that level. That's like the biggest turn on that. And when you don't expect sex ever, that that's a big, then that turns me on <laughs> like the other night when it was midnight and he was cuddling me and like, wasn't expecting anything. And then I was like, Oh, well actually. <laughs> yeah. She brought it up. Yeah. So anyways, uh, okay. next question. <laughs> Look at you taking notes. What is the biggest misconception about you from married at first sight? What do you think the biggest misconception is about me from married at first sight? I think that Jamie got demonized. And what I mean by that is you were the quote unquote mean person mm-hmm. from the start mm-hmm. because you weren't attracted to me from the beginning, mm-hmm. which is so easy for a lot of people to sit on the couch and watch what was happening, especially what got cut for TV. Um, so that was, that was the biggest misconception because I knew more of you off camera than on camera. Um, even though we were on camera for a lot of the time. Um, but you were never mean about not being attracted to me at the wedding. It wasn't a big deal. Like you didn't like cry in front of me. You didn't say, I'm just not attracted to you or whatever. You gave it a chance Yeah. and you continued to give it a chance. And, um, I think throughout the whole entire first season, um, you really turned a corner after, especially after the, um, especially after our honeymoon where I knew you were in it. There was no point where you were just sort of being there for the TV. And I think a lot of people might've thought that after the first couple episodes, especially with your bachelor background. You think they thought that? Yeah. I think, uh, I think that was one misconception that was out there. And then the other thing was that you were, you were mean towards me, which you never were ever. Yeah, those are definitely, you know, I, I just try not to even try to defend yourself. Like, there's no point in defending yourself to people who think what they try. think. I did try. And then you taught me. What does it matter? Like, stop. <laughs> like, are you going to have them over for Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, he taught me that because, and even like when I try, I try really hard to develop friendships and like meaningful relationships. And, you know, I really wanted to be, very, very close with the girls on, you know, our, on my season. And so I would try to hang out with them and try to be in touch with them. And well, A, we're all adults living different lives, but B, we don't have a ton in common. And so at this point, you know, I'm living in New Jersey and, and they didn't necessarily show the same effort that I was showing. And so Doug was like, why are you trying? And I was like, because I think it'd be really cool if we were all really good friends. <laughs> He's like, well, just let it go. Like yeah. they're living their own lives. If they don't want to be your best friend, it's okay. And I'm like, but really, I think we would be such good friends. We all, I mean, at this point, no one in America had ever done married at first sight before, except from us three couples. And so yeah, I really we'll wanted, be tied to that, yeah, yeah, I really wanted to be best friends with them, but that's just not always how the world works. And you taught me that because I, you know, I do struggle with wanting to have meaningful relationships with people who don't necessarily care to have that same meaningful relationship with me. And I wonder if it's like straight from like my childhood like with my mother, you know, where I've been begging this woman to like, you know, have a mother daughter relationship with her. And I just don't give up. I just don't know when to give up and to just like yeah. let it be. And only recently I've learned to well, just. You're a people pleaser. 
Yeah, but it, it's... You want everybody to like you. I do want everyone to like me. I want to feel, like, loved and important and, oh my gosh, don't get me. I feel like I'm going to cry, which is awful. I feel like I'm growing and I don't want to be, like, I feel proud of myself for not being like that, but... I, and you should be. Yeah, I just genuinely do really want... I, I just have always struggled feeling like loved and important. I mean, I know, I've always known that my mom wanted to abort me and then she couldn't go through the abortion. And then she was going to adopt me out and she had the family and then she didn't end up adopting me out and she kept me because she, you know, loved me. But like that does something to a child to, to know that. And, and then as you grow up and she chooses to go a different direction with her friends and doesn't stay, you know, present with you and your siblings, it's, I've just constantly been begging for love and acceptance. It's like a little depressing slash embarrassing. Um, But I think I just have always like really tried to make meaningful like friendships and, and try to get people to like me and not everyone's going to like you though. And that's okay. No, but you're really, I mean, you're really good at it and you're genuine about it. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a desperate, thing you don't you don't do it out of desperation it's just you you do it because you want other people to be happy and to be happy around you yeah and you know that that is really I mean it's it's amazing that you do that I put so much effort into it though and it's more effort than a lot of people do but I've realized thanks to you that I shouldn't put that effort into the people who don't put it, who don't reciprocate it. But what I've discovered is that no one reciprocates it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, you're, you know, the people, people that are going to be around you are going to want to be around you. And honestly, even if it's like only a handful of people, it's better to put your energy there than with people that just don't care about you. And you're just trying to get them to care about you. Even if it's your parents or your family, you know? Okay. I care about you. Thank you. Moving on. I don't want to. I don't no, want to cry. Right. Um, so last two questions. Okay. Yeah. If you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Jeez Louise. These are just all over the map. Would Did it you be gluten these? free? <laughs> well, I mean, if it's dairy, I might end up sharding. So I don't want to die with like poop all over Everybody my pants. Everybody dies with pooping their pants. No. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a. Uh, that's not true. That's the thing. People go to the bathroom when they die. All of them do. Most of them do. No, they don't. Yeah. Look it up. Oh, I guess that could be true. Cause mm-hmm. like your muscles aren't, your heart's yeah. not pumping to keep your muscles contracted to keep it in. Mm-hmm. I'm legit going to look that up now. Is that like truly true? It's truly a thing. I mean, I've been a labor and delivery nurse, so I wasn't working on that side of the world like, or like, I guess life, I should say. I was mm-hmm. working more on like bringing new life into the world, not so much death, <laughs> but like, well, See, I'm like thinking one person coded in the OR, but they have a pump. You know, they have like things keeping them going. I'm like, but what would your meal be? Okay, sorry. I'm just trying to figure out if that's true or not. Uh, I'm gonna seriously Google that after this and find out if that's true. Uh, um, funny. Let's see, what would my meal be? It would definitely not be gluten free. It would probably be. You know what's so funny is I think when you're faced with death, like if food is not the like that's not what anyone's thinking about. You know, like what do you think about when you're faced with death? I would be thinking about. Like, like looking my children in the eyes and just hugging them and holding them and letting them know how well, much I love them. I'm saying if you didn't have kids, if you were just oh, a, you just want like a common criminal that <laughs> was so ready to die. And white, not <laughs> it's not a, it's not you it's now. Not that deep. <laughs> it's not you now being on death row. 
Okay. Um, okay. I think, okay. Well, sushi would be fabulous. Um, definitely. I'm not a steak and potatoes kind of girl. So it wouldn't be that. It'd be like sushi or like Chinese food with lo mein noodles. Like all the things that I'm really not supposed to be eating. Um, a bowl of cereal would be fabulous with real milk. Oh my gosh. Cookies and milk, ice cream. Those are all yummy things. That's a great meal. Yeah. All right. And this last one, um, I figure we'll end off on a, uh, on a good note. Okay, let's do that. Um, so, I gotta go get the kids from school. I know. What advice do you have for someone that wants to break the cycle and make a change from their current environment? Oh, that is a good one, Doug. This is a great one to, to end on. I would say the advice I have for someone who wants to break the cycle and change from their current environment is to before you do anything else is to just stop and think about what you've already accomplished and be proud of yourself. And it could be, and like, it's going to be real fast to go to all that you haven't accomplished. It's going to be real fast to start thinking about, you know, what you should be doing differently or how you could have done something differently before, but just stop and just think about what you've already done that you've accomplished that has gotten you a little bit further than you were yesterday. And really take that in and be proud of that and to, and to really, really feel good about yourself. And then after you do that, and it's really important you do that first is you show gratitude for, to, to God and to the universe and to yourself that you've actually been, that you have, first of all, that you're cognizant of this cycle that you're in and that you do want to be able to break free of it. I mean, that in, in and of itself, if there's nothing else you're aware, and that's the first step. And so be thankful for that. And if you've taken any step to kind of divert your path a little bit, be proud of that because not everybody does that. And before you go on to this next step, make sure that you show gratitude. Like you're telling God and the universe and yourself, like, thank you. Thank you for giving me the wisdom to realize I'm in a cycle. Thank you for giving me the strength to try to break out of it. And thank you for leading me. And like, and then the next thing that's also equally as important is to then envision yourself to where you want to be. So if you're me, when I was a little girl in a trailer in a trailer park, for whatever reason, I saw my friend, none of my friends lived in a trailer that had like leaking ceilings and holes in the floor. And so I like, and what I mean, my friends, I mean, some of my friends from the trailer park did, of course, but I'm talking about my friends in school or when I went to church later on and I made friends with the church kids you know, none of them lived in the trailer park, the ones that I made friends with elsewhere. Of course, some of them did because I lived in the trailer park. So I was friends with some of the trailer park kids too. But when I saw these other children with like stairs in their house, and to me that was like monumental or like a paved driveway. And just the mom that was actually telling them, no, you can't go over there because you didn't um, do your chores. A parent that cared enough about them to have like rules for them and things of that nature. I would literally envision my life differently and I would envision that one day I would have a paved driveway and that I would have a flag in my, in my driveway. Like that was just something I would see on the bus. And even as little as, you know, elementary school, I started envisioning my life differently and I would sit on that bus. I I still can remember vividly like a picture in my mind of when I got on the bus and I sat on the inside. I always, I'd always sit in the inside of the, you know, like of the seat because I didn't really mind if someone sat next to me. And also I like to look out the window and I would just sit and I would pray all the time. This is like the only hope I had was to pray to God and know that like, 
there was something bigger than myself out there and someone who loved me. Like I would talk to God like he was my father because I didn't have a father. And I would write in a journal and I would say, dear heavenly father, or I'd write dear father. And I would literally talk to God like he was my father. And because I learned in church that he was, and I would just unload all my things. And so what I'm trying to say is if you are someone in the cycle, first of all, be thankful for all that you do have, because I don't care who you are, or what you're going through. There's always something to be thankful for. And if you can focus your energy on gratitude instead of negative things, you will get more things to be thankful for. Second thing, envision yourself where you want to be. And I don't mean like, just like, oh, well, maybe one day. Like, I mean, like close your eyes and think about what it is that you want and be really specific and be careful about what you say, because what you just, what you envision for yourself will come to you especially if you believe it. And so for me, I envisioned, you know, the paved, the paved, uh, driveway with a flag and no joke. We had a house and I had a flag and I'm like, wait a minute, do I really want the flag? I mean, I do love America and all, but do we really need to put a flag up? Like, we got rid of the flag. Yeah. We did end up donating the flag because I'm like, but I'm telling you that was, that was something that came to fruition from my childhood without even realizing I was manifesting it, quote unquote, manifesting it, I manifested this life that I have. I mean, I mean, down to all of it. I mean, I'm a girl with a dad who I discovered at 33 years old was addicted in a, in a dealer and a mom who is currently an addict and struggling, grew up in a trailer park on welfare and think about my life and the fact that I, and it all started off with that, that little girl on the school bus who would envision you know, uh, like a safe space to live that didn't have leaky ceilings and stairs in the house. I mean, in like paved driveway, because I just thought that was so nice looking, I guess. Like, and well, you envisioned it and you put it out and into the universe. And so what I'm trying to say by that is I, then I got older and I used to read people magazine. Like I was as a waitress, I had custody of my siblings and I would wait, wait tables while I was also in school full time and cheering. I had a lot going on. And in my breaks during, um, while I was waitressing, I would flip through like People Magazine or Star Magazine or whatever was laying around. And I would see like Angelina Jolie. This is back in the day when Shiloh was just a baby. And Surrey, Tom Cruise, and Katie Holmes' child was like always in that <laughs> magazine. And I literally flipped through those magazines and I was like, I want my family to be that important one day. And it's like I wanted to be in a magazine or something, but I was like, wow, people actually care about their families. Like I care about these children. I'm praying for these children. I want someone to care about me and my family that much one day to fast forward to now and people care about me and I, to the point where like, you know, and as we just said, I mean, I beg for people to love me and I really just wanted someone to love me. And here I am now where people reach out to me via email, via DMs and comments saying how they love me and they're thankful for me. And I, not only did I want people to love me, but I wanted to, I really wanted to inspire people to know that they don't have to stay in that cycle, that they can break free. And I didn't even know how I would inspire people that like I, for me, the cycle stopped when I, when I actually graduated high school and I wanted to inspire other little teenage kids that, you know, you can break free from that cycle. I mean, right when I had custody of my siblings and I read this book called they caged animals at night and it was about foster care and just how awful it was. And I was like, I'm going to be a foster, a foster parent, and I'm going to help these kids realize that they don't have to, you know, stay in that cycle. And slowly I've, I've really, it's all come to fruition. So that was a loaded question. And it's, I'm really passionate about it too, because I really, really, truly believe with all my heart 
that we get to determine our destinies by what we're thinking, by what we're praying for, by what we're meditating on. And we don't have to be a victim of our past. And as a matter of fact, we can take our past, learn from it, grow from it, and help others change their futures as well. So all that being said, I hope that all makes sense. It does. And I think if you want even more of a a picture of Jamie's journey, you can definitely check out Amazon, Wifey 101, Everything I Got Wrong. After finding uh, after Mr. Right. Meeting Mr. Right. I mean, Thanks, it's Doug. a fantastic book and it's Aww. all laid out in there. And I think you are, have been inspirational and you're still inspiring. Oh, thank you. Well, that's, I mean, you inspire me every Aww. day. Uh, you make me a better person, a better dad, a better husband all the time, like every day. So, well, honestly, ditto. You're an amazing yeah. father and I'm really thankful. I am so thankful. I also would like, you know, I, I honestly, remember one time walking from the trailer park was like down the road and then the trailer park owner who would take us to church was up the road. And so I would drive or I would walk myself up the road and I would like, I remember this one time kicking rocks while I'm walking up there to go, you know, get ready to hop in her van to go to the church. And I was like, I've always really wanted to be a mother, but I was like, I knew that in order to be a mother, you had to be married and have a child, like have sex and have a child. And I remember vividly thinking to myself, I'm going to get married I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to have a baby and then I'm going to get divorced. I guess I didn't realize divorce was considered a sin back then too. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm, you know, that's what I'm going to do because I wanted, I did not want my children to be around domestic violence. I didn't, I, I wanted a present father, but I didn't even know that existed. Like I didn't even know to like hope for that or think for that. That's crazy. And so the fact that you're here, Thank you, Douglas. Thanks for being the best father I love to our you. kids because I manifested you into my life too. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, um, yeah, thank you for the little shout out for my book. I think that I'm going to do a 10 year anniversary edition of my book and just have like, I mean, there's so many updates since I wrote that book. I wrote that book our first year of marriage and then it came out yeah. like a, at like a year and a half, at one year really, or was it one year? It was, it was right when after. I lost Jonathan. Oh, so you're right. It was a couple of years after. You're right. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It, was, it was 16. Like two years after. 2016. Oh, yeah. So it was about two years after. So I wrote that book during our first year of marriage. And then it came out two years after. And I had lost our, our first baby. So I really just didn't share much about it. Because I just, I literally canceled um, a show with T.D. Jakes. He had a, Bishop T.D. Yep. Jakes. He had a talk show that he was going to have me on to share about the book. And I had like different radio interviews and all that jazz. And I canceled it all when I lost Jonathan. And so I feel like for the 10 year anniversary, there's a whole lot of updating we could do in that book. And so I might, yeah. I might do that. I might go get myself a little hotel room so I have zero distractions and I can just sit down and write um, and then release it for a 10 year anniversary edition. That'd be awesome. You're awesome. All right. Well, thank you. I got to go get the kids. So yes, you do. Thank you so much to those of you listening. We appreciate you. We love you. I hope this is inspiring you and encouraging you in some way. Yes. And feel free to leave a comment or review. If there's anything you want us to talk about, anybody you want us to talk to, we are open to suggestions yeah. and we love serving you. Yes. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.